from KDNK Community Access Radio, Carbondale, Colorado, in the United States. This is program number seven of the Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. When blind people go places, we don't experience things like our sighted friends. We don't see beautiful mountains or romantic sunsets. The goal of this program is to identify and even create experiences that are more meaningful or just more fun for us and our sighted traveling companions. Frequently, as people lose their eyesight, they become more and more isolated. The Tactile Traveler hopes literally not only to empower people to travel around the world, but around the block to new adventures in their lives. Blind ranges from people who are visually impaired and glasses and contact lenses no longer help them to live a normal life to people like me who are totally blind and to sighted parents who have a blind child and blind parents who have sighted children, and people of all ages, interests, and physical abilities. On today's program, help with social distancing when you can't see six feet, or even at all. A better way to carry a tray. A nightmare for a man testing a device designed to make us more independent. Philly Touch Tours. Don't lose your head when you lose your hat. How to be easier to spend money with if you'd like more of our money. And what's happening to guide dog assembly lines. Susan Armstrong is Vice President, Training, Veterinarian Client Services for Guide Dogs for the Blind in Bend, Oregon. She says during this time of social distancing, the dogs don't understand social distancing, and so there are some things as a handler that you can do. We encourage people to be using their voice a little bit more um, to let people know that their dog doesn't understand social distancing and that they can be a little bit more proactive. And then we're also really trying to make the public aware that to be kind and know that dogs don't understand social distancing, and so uh, for them to be proactive as well. That's the sound of my white cane as I get some exercise walking around the block. It's so noisy because I use a technique called constant contact instead of tapping back and forth like in the movies. It gives me a lot more information than tapping. And just like guide dogs, it doesn't tell me how close I am to other people. But there are two smartphone apps that can. Hey Siri, open Be My Eyes. Connected. Hello. First, there's a free app called Be My Eyes. You start the app, and one of more than 3 million volunteers somewhere in the world uses the camera on your phone to have a look around. Are there any people within six feet in this direction? No, there are not. Okay, how about that direction? No, there's not. 
And that direction. No, there's no one there. The second apt is free for five minutes from Ira, spelled A-I-R-A. Thank you for calling Ira. My name is Irene. What would you like to do today? Ira is free in many airports and some stores like Walgreens and some Targets. If you are navigating down an aisle and I saw a person with a shopping cart on the left side, I could say keep right as you move down the aisle to stay away from another shopper. Or, you know, if you were standing in line and observing those, again, I could sort of direct you to the marks on the floor and then let you know when the next person in line moved up. Where if you're looking for, I don't know, a kind of cereal or something, then an agent could look at the signs above the aisles in a grocery store, could direct you to the correct aisle. And then uh, a lot of times what can help is having you face the sort of section and then the, an agent can take a photo through your phone and zoom in and if they know that you're looking for Captain Crunch a particular flavor for example can zoom in look for that and then direct you to it with the minimum amount of touching so you don't have to touch everything you know just to get to it. So with the apps you can keep your six feet social distancing touch fewer items in the stores and get your sugar high at the same time. You're listening to The Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. Someday, we'll be eating in buffets, salad bars and cafeterias and other places where we have to carry food on trays to our tables again. Lydia Eckert has a tip you might find helpful. Has your excitement in buffets, salad bars, cafeterias, and fast food restaurants dampened when you realize you have to carry a tray full of food to your table, especially when you might not even know where there is a table with an empty seat? It's hard enough if you have both hands to balance your tray. If you're using a white cane, holding on to a guide dog harness or a baby with one hand. It makes a trip to where you get the food, to where you eat it, really exciting. Here is a better way to carry the tray. Instead of trying to balance the tray on your fingertips, hold your arm at your side and bend it at your elbow. Then slide your tray to your elbow and use your fingers to hold your tray steady on your arm. You probably will have to turn the tray sideways so it will fit on your arm between your elbow and your hand. It makes the tray a lot steadier. Same technique could be used to carry a plate of food when trays are not provided. Thank you, Lydia. There are lots of tech companies that say their gadgets will help the blind see. And perhaps hundreds of people from around the world participate in clinical trials of these devices. But what happens to these patients when economic strain caused by the coronavirus forces one of these companies to go out of business? The tactile traveler's Jason Struther speaks to a man who is trying to figure that out right now. 
Jason Esterhazen was the poster boy for the Orion, a device that promised to create artificial sight for those who lost their vision. And last year, he made headlines around the world. Crossing the street, sorting laundry. These are just a couple of the everyday things Jason Esterhazen can now do again, thanks to new technology, a device implanted in his brain. It's the first time Jason, in seven who's years 31, lost his vision after a car accident several years ago. The Orion, created by the tech firm Second Sight, was installed in his head by doctors at UCLA. I called Jason up to talk about it. Hi, Jason. Hi, Jason. How you doing? Good, thanks. And you? Jason tells me that he and his wife left everything behind in South Africa to participate in this trial in Los Angeles. He was one of six patients to be implanted with the device. But recently, he got some bad news. The developer, Second Sight, is going out of business. I ask him how he found out about it. On the 2nd of April, the doctor Parodi and the neurosurgeon that did the brain implant called me and he told me he just wanted to let me know personally that Second Side is closing down due to COVID-related reasons. And um, yeah, the medical trial isn't going to continue. We're six people that have these devices in our brains now, and who knows what it's going to do. Are there concerns about any health repercussions of leaving this implant in your head? <laughs> I had a major seizure because of the device inside a, during a testing session. Then I had a seizure-like episode outside of the, the clinical setting. Like me and my wife went for a walk. You get like this premonition. Yeah, you, you, it's like a big white pulsating light just that doesn't go away. And then boom, you start breathing. <laughs> you start shaking and seizing up. It's crazy. So, and uh, it's just, there's just so much stuff going on at the moment. Like unanswered questions from everyone. Like we just want to know what's going to happen. Can't you just have the device taken out? I was telling someone yesterday, it's not like a, a ear piercing. It's not just something that you can just, take out simply, I have to go for brain surgery again. I have to open up my skull again, dig around in my brain to remove this thing. So it's not just a quick in and out, like getting a filling at a dentist. It's major surgery. It's scary. You can die. But yeah, to answer your question, yes, I can have it removed, but I don't know what the risks are. Explain to me a little more how this Orion system works. What does it enable you to see? There's a pair of sunglasses with a video camera. The video camera picks up the images, it translates it into electrical impulses and that creates phosphenes in your brain. The electrical stimulation creates a pattern of lights, like little dots. Whatever you're looking at, like it would not be a picture or a silhouette or a shape or anything. It would just be this random pattern of lights and it's like learning a new language. You just have to learn how to interpret what you're seeing. How did this device improve your mobility? I was able to distinguish between like vertical lines, horizontal lines, 45 degree angle lines. The more that you use the device, obviously you learn new little tricks like, okay, cool. When I'm walking down a hallway, I can look up at the ceiling lights and then just follow the ceiling lights instead of tapping against the wall with your cane. I could look down at the street and follow like the white painted line across the street. So, you know, wouldn't veer into traffic and walk in front of a car or whatever. What did it do for your confidence once you were able to see these dots? It's it's a wild ride of emotions. Like in the beginning, like the first time that I just saw one of the dots when they tasted the, 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 the device for the very first time. It just like 
such an exhilarating feeling to just, I can see something again. Mentally, it changed everything because it now gave me hope again that, okay, this is something, it's going to get better, and there's hope now for some form of vision again. Do you have any regret participating in this this trial now, you know, all things with hindsight, with all things considered? I don't feel I have any regrets. Like any medical trial, there's a risk involved always. But I mean, now, two years into a five-year trial, them like just saying, okay, sorry. I, I still, I don't think I, st I have processed this whole thing yet. I mean, because of the like no response from them. Until they come up with a, with, I don't know, some document telling me or a letter or a, I don't know just send me an email telling me what to do like hey stop using your device don't use your device do this do that whatever we're going to continue none of it nothing's happened it's frustrating Jason your report didn't end on a very upbeat note what can we take away from the Orion yeah right Nick sorry about being such a bummer I think there are a lot of uncertainties still, and Jason is trying to figure out what is his next step. We should maybe look at this as a cautionary tale of sorts about participating in these kinds of trials that promise to restore vision. Is Jason still using the device? No, Jason stopped using the Orion device once he got the news that Second Sight was going out of business. He doesn't want any medical complications, and he doesn't even know what the long-term effects are going to be if he were to keep it running. So for now, the device is just going to stay in place. Thank you, Jason and Jason. We've had some good news, or at least medium news, since Jason Struther filed this story. Jason Estrehusen's neurosurgeon told him that Second Sight has not filed for bankruptcy but has laid off most of its staff. There's a 95% chance that trials will resume after the coronavirus is under control. You're listening to The Tactile Traveler on KDNK Community Access Radio, empowering blind and low-vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. There are only a handful of travel agents and tour companies in the world that provide packages for people who are blind and have low vision. Simon Bonifant reports on a company that provides experiences for blind people in Pennsylvania. It's called Philly Touch Tours. Philly Touch Tours is a company that designs tours of museums for the blind in the Philadelphia area. The owner, Trish Monder, teaches the museum staff how to adapt their already existing tours to blind people. I've participated in the tours and I've helped Trish train the museum staff. We work with them to describe things in detail without being patronizing. Trish started the company to help the blind community in general, but she also has a personal connection. My daughter was born in 1986. Um, my daughter Katie, who was born completely blind, um, and I was at the time an art teacher and an art educator, and it was challenging and really interesting, and we soon became aware that there was not much out there for people with vision loss in cultural institutions, museums, um, zoos, touching, you know, there wasn't much to do with touch or verbal description, and that was my job with her. 
um, to sort of make the world become more uh, interesting. And so over time, I just became more and more involved with it. And eventually, after years of being a mother at home and working in the arts and so forth, I just decided it was time to be involved in accessibility. Tours range from free to as low as $8 to the highest cost of $35 for a tour of Philadelphia's Italian market, where participants can enjoy a variety of food options. People are normally responsible for their own transportation and meet at the museum. Thank you, Simon. During my career as a television reporter, I covered two different stories where people died chasing hats. The first was in Charlotte Harbor in Punta Florida. Some guys were in a fishing boat, and one of them had his hat blow off. When they turned the boat around to retrieve it, they turned too quickly and the boat tipped over. One man drowned, and the other was found clinging to a beer cooler a couple of days later. The second happened on the flat tops near Glenwood Springs, Colorado. A family was standing on the Deep Creek Overlook when one of the men's hats blew off. Even though it was late in the summer, there was a patch of snow next to the Overlook. And when his stepmother stepped onto the snow to retrieve his hat, she slipped over a cliff. It's normal to grab your hat when it flies off. Be careful. That's dangerous for sighted people. It's even more dangerous for us. So if your hat flies off, stop, evaluate your situation, and then if it's safe, retrieve it. You're listening to The Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. If you own a business that's trying to reach blind and low vision folks through the internet, Phyllis Chavez has a tip on how to make you easier to spend money with. If you can't see your computer screen or smartphone screen, you use what's called the screen reader. It sounds like this. Tactile Traveler Stories, Items View, Multi-Select List Box, Not Selected, White Canes on Sandy Beaches, White Canes on Cobblestone Streets, White Canes on Brick Sidewalk. If what you're reading includes a photograph, it sounds like this. Enjoying the Hotel Colorado Courtyard. Image. Chef putting garnish on plate of food. Image. But if the picture is unnamed, it sounds like this. Christmas Chaos. Twas the night before Christmas and you realize that the door has locked behind you. You know that Santa won't come down the chimney while you are in the room. Ellipsis. D1521719891C9 C8945508682E2 is 6146608F5 tilde MV2D20 1583S2JPG. Image. If you're reading something like a travel brochure or a newspaper, it could make a fun place frustrating to learn about and not worth reading further. A simple solution, name all your photos and graphics. If your name is the short description of what's in the picture, that's even better. Thank you, Phyllis. Most of us are familiar with things like just-in-time delivery for car parts as cars go down an assembly line. 
developed by Toyota industrial engineer Taiichi Ono, reduces auto manufacturers from having a warehouse full of parts that really aren't making any money for them until they're installed in a car. The best-selling vehicle in America is a Ford F-150 pickup truck, which, with the technology of just-in-time manufacturing, Ford builds a truck in 20 hours, and one comes off each assembly line every 52 seconds. Guide dogs also come off in his needed assembly line, but a very different kind of an assembly line. The people who use guide dogs are called handlers. Their dogs are called dogs. Susan Armstrong is vice president of training, veterinarian client services for guide dogs for the blind in Bend, Oregon. We typically have six handlers in a two-week class in Oregon and between six and eight in California. I think in, in puppy raising at any given time, we have about seven 750 to 800 puppies and training between the two campuses. We probably have around 150 uh, dogs in training at any given time. Susan says because of the coronavirus, their two-year-long system for breeding, raising, and placing guide dogs, like all guide dog schools, has suddenly come to a screeching halt. As as we have never experienced before, this is the first time in our history where that has happened for such a length of time. So we've had to make some decisions, and of course our top priority is ensuring safety for our community. And we made a number of proactive decisions at the beginning of all of this to ensure the health and well-being of our community. So we made the decision, as you know, to stop our two-week immersive client training program and our own immersion program. And what that meant was trying to reduce the number of staff on our campuses and um, to be as safe as possible. Like everyone else, we, uh, we are doing as much remote work as possible. And our training dogs were moved off campus into temporary shelter-in-place foster homes with experienced puppy raisers and families. So that's where our dogs are currently. When you closed things down, you had dogs that were ready for their partner. And since they were ready, if you wait, are they going to be overripe? <laughs> no, absolutely not. And, and you know, that's one of the questions that, that we've gotten as far as, you know, do dogs forget their training? And they absolutely don't. And I think that, you know, whether it depends on what point a dog is in training and maybe they'll need another week of work uh, to kind of brush up on their skills, but they absolutely don't lose the knowledge that they've gained. Uh, dogs are amazing that way. There, are, you know, once a guide dog um, goes out with their person, there are times in that person's life where they might not work for two months and the dog doesn't forget what it's been taught. Susan asked me to point out that Guide Dogs for the Blind is still taking applications for visually impaired and blind guide dog handlers. We are proud to announce that the Radio Television Digital News Association has named the Tactile Traveler the Edward R. Murrell Award for the Best Small Market Podcast for Region 3, Wyoming, Arizona, Utah, Colorado, and New Mexico. You're listening to the Tactile Traveler, 
empowering blind and low vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. That's my talking scale, reminding us that we'd like you to weigh in on how we're doing. Please let us know by sending an email to the tactile traveler at gmail.com. We spell traveler the American way with one L. We'd also like to hear your story ideas from all over the world. Send us an email with story ideas in the subject line. If you'd like to help underwrite this program, please send us an email with underwriting in the subject line. Transcripts of this program are also available for our deaf listeners by going to the Tactile Traveler in any search engine. This program is also being broadcast on the Audio Information Network of Colorado and additional states. It's also available by typing the Tactile Traveler in any search engine and available wherever you get podcasts and by asking your smart speaker for the Tactile Traveler podcast. We'd like to thank the following people who made this program possible. Be My Eyes, Microsoft Accessibility Tech Support, Humanware Tech Support, Ira. Freedom Scientific Tech Support, Lorraine Hutchinson, Sarah Williams, Sophia Williams, Becca Warner, John Grace, Lucas Turner, and Raleigh Burley. This has been the Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. This has been a production of KDNK Community Access Radio, Carbondale, Colorado.